This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. And so many people loving what they saw from the NBL final round as well, but the finals series to start this Thursday night. So 6.30, John Kane Arena, South East Melbourne and Perth. The Wildcats coming to Melbourne to face South East Melbourne Phoenix. And then 8.30, it's Cairns v Tasmania. So the winner of the Cairns v Tasmania game into a semi-final. The loser of the Cairns v Tasmania game plays the winner of that play-in game between South East Melbourne and Perth. Jeremy Lowling has been good enough to join me. Uh, the uh, the NBL commissioner off the back of a spectacular regular season. Jeremy, welcome to the program. Great to have you back on. Thanks very much, Dwayne. It wasn't a bad way to end the regular season, was it? And and for that matter, not a bad way to uh, to sort of unveil the play-in concept, which we're obviously doing for the first time this year. It's been uh, been perfectly uh, perfectly timed and scripted. <laughs> so, why did you change the system? You had a four. For a ten-team comp, why did you change your system to have a six essentially? Yeah, to be honest, the huge amount of fan feedback was that the playoffs were just over too quickly. You had this amazing crescendo to a regular season, and I guess people comparing it to the NBA now, where you're used to having a number of different series of, of the best of seven, people were like, "Oh, it just feels like it ends too soon." So we, we contemplated how we could extend the duration of the playoffs. And the reality is that our cities are still of a population such that it's hard to go beyond a, a five-game grand final series or a three-game semi-final series. It may happen in future, but in the short term, instead of flooding those few markets with more games, we thought, why not extend the relevance of the playoffs into an additional two markets every year? Um, and, th- and that's where the, the idea came from. And uh, we were actually having those conversations and the NBA went ahead and tested the model for us with their play-in structure. Mm. And um, that sort of reaffirmed our view that this is probably a, a, a more sustainable way of, of extending the playoffs in the short term. So just been taking our calls and texts from people who say that the extended final series, if we had it in the AFL, rewards mediocrity. Teams that can't make it under the old system weren't good enough to make it. And it should be quality over quantity. So more games is actually worse, according to the text machine. Yeah, I'd certainly refute that in our case. If you look at the competitiveness of the competition, uh, it's, it's not a coincidence that the makeup of the playoffs hasn't been determined until the final game of the season seven years in a row. Uh, Now, if you look at that, it says precisely the opposite. The the teams that were missing out were right on the cusp, and um, we've seen that all through the season the last few seasons, is that anybody can beat anybody. So anyone that tells me that we're rewarding mediocrity because Melbourne United... Uh, just missed out on the finals after winning 10 of their last 13 games, and they missed out on the playoffs with this extended format. Um, So happy to go toe-to-toe with anyone who suggests that that might be the case. Well, there has been one text in support saying that Carlton would 
have won a game or two in last year's final series as opposed to not being competitive. So there are a few in support of that theory as well. Um, Jeremy, it's been such a successful competition. I know there's a lot of people already talking about expansion. Uh, what boxes need to be ticked to get an expansion team in your brilliant competition? Yeah, look, there, there's so many different consortia and markets who are putting their hand up for a licence at the moment that it's certainly not just tick a box anymore. It's not if you have A, B and C, it makes sense for us to give you a licence. You've now got to demonstrate that you meet that kind of as a, a baseline threshold, but then of the six or more parties who are expressing interest that you make the m- most sense of any of them um, from a sustainability point of view. But the baseline requirements are you've got to have the infrastructure. There's got to be a venue that's up to the standard that NBA, uh, NBL players, coaches and staff have come to expect, but more importantly, that NBL fans have come to expect. Um, it's got to be of a quality enough and size enough to meet the demand, which is going through the roof. Um, there's got to be local interest from fans, which we think, thankfully now in most parts of the country, is, is almost a given but there's got to be local interest from enough corporate supporters that we would be comfortable that the team is going to be financially viable in the long term. And more and more, uh, there has to be a, a, a local and state government who are supportive of the concept because all of those requirements around corporates and infrastructure, they're almost impossible to achieve without a strong partnership with a, either a local council or state government or both. So the size of the market as well, isn't it? I mean, you've got Western Sydney or Sydney, another team in Sydney is an option. You've got the Gold Coast, which, I mean, the Gold Coast has its own difficulties given how many sports don't seem to work on the Gold Coast. Jeremy, I'm not sure what, yeah. what your thoughts are there. Um, you, you had Townsville in, but then they dropped out. You've got uh, Newcastle. Geelong doesn't have a good enough arena. The arena's not, not good enough, probably. Yeah. Size is not of itself determinative, though, Dwayne, because if you, if you look at where we've been really successful of late, I mean, Tasmania is not the biggest market in the world, but um, there was a venue there that made sense. It, um, there's, uh, as I said, a strong partnership with government, which led to strong partnerships with uh, local corporate partners. Um, and that's the beauty of our sport, is that as long as you're sensible about the development of the infrastructure... You don't need 20,000 people to turn up to, to a game every week in order for it to, to be sustainable. So looking at some of those smaller regional markets is, is a real opportunity and point of differentiation for us compared to some of our other, um, I guess, our competition in other professional sporting codes. So never rule anything out just on the basis of size alone. Singapore? Yeah, Singapore's come up a little bit lately. Look, we've, we've tried that in the past, um, and the model or the concept is certainly something that we would look at again. I don't know that Singapore is um, the ideal destination, um, but looking around for international expansion is certainly something that, that we would consider because, look, it's a very global marketplace, it's a very global sport, um, and we've got a huge number of basketball fans right on our doorstep where we are that... Um, it would be it would be naive not to look at it. And what about a second team in Perth? Is that a possibility down the track? Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I mean, the the introduction of Fremantle into the AFL was fantastic uh, in terms of the growth of the sport in that that part of the country, and the numbers from Freo have been increasing every year. So, um, I, I think it would be one to to look at. Uh, I, again, it's not. 
no one location yet has absolutely come to the fore ahead of any of the others, but certainly there have been expressions of interest out of Western Australia um, for some point in the future. I think it would be a few years away at least before we could we could make it happen. But yeah, certainly worth worth a deeper look. You're looking at expanding the stadium in Hobart for the Jack Jumpers with some government money. How's that challenge going? Because it does look like uh, the place is bursting at the seams. Yeah, we've sold out every game for two seasons now. I think memberships were sold out four or five months before either of their inaugural two seasons tipped off. Uh, and then anything that was left in the way of, of GA seating on a game-by-game basis was snapped up well in advance as well. So clearly there's an insatiable demand. Um, it'd be great if we could grow the size of the nest a little and, uh, and meet the needs of a, a couple of thousand more basketball-hungry Tasmanians. Um, and will you get success there? I've had so many calls and texts from people saying we should expand this thing we've got here where people are turning up before we plough money into the AFL idea of a new stadium in Hobart. Will you have success there? Will you get that expanded for next season or is that a long-term project? Oh, look, I think uh, whether or not we can get expanded for next season, I think just just as a matter of practicality, um, I'm, I'm not a builder by any stretch, but I think that would be a, a stretch. But in terms of whether or not we could get the nod from, from government, we've got a fantastic relationship with Tasmanian state government. Um, as, as you rightly pointed out, it's a demonstrated success. Um, we've proven that we've got the capacity to turn around infrastructure rede- redevelopments down there in a pretty short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, I'm reasonably confident because it's a, not a particularly expensive exercise to, um, as you say, meet the needs of, of a public who are already crying out for more tickets for those games. You've got a great relationship with ESPN, KO and, and Foxtel, obviously, to get every game broadcast, but you're also looking at a new deal where I presume, well, I know you want to enhance your free-to-air coverage beyond just two games on 10 Peach on a Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you're constantly looking at the mix of uh, free-to-air subscription TV and OTT TV um, because the market just changes so often and we've got such great partners in every one of those um, elements at the moment. Um, you know, we're, we're constantly reevaluating just what is actually happening and how we meet the needs of our fan base. We've got a, a pretty interesting 12 months ahead of us in that regard and so we're, we're doing a huge amount of analysis at the moment. Um, you're right. We'd love to see basketball being available to more people around the country more often. But what exactly that looks like when everyone is changing their offering so so rapidly? Uh, yeah, we're not entirely sure yet, but it's going to be an exciting ride, that's for sure. Which other free-to-air spot do you think you get the tune-in factor for a free-to-air carrier to believe it was a, a big win for them? Are you looking at you know a Friday night or a Thursday night or a... Would you go Saturday night? How would you? Where's your slot? Do you think you could get the numbers? Oh, look, uh, Sunday afternoons are actually some of our best uh, numbers in terms of both attendance and viewership because being such a family-friendly sport, I think, and Sunday afternoon not traditionally being a time slot that is um, impacted or interrupted by children's sport on a weekend quite so much as Saturdays are or Friday nights for that matter. So it's actually a really good time to be on free-to-air. Um, but uh, it's a, get, getting more games on free-to-air, though, in addition to the Sunday would be, would be interesting. Friday nights are difficult because so many kids around the country that are, play basketball at a really high level on a Friday night, and their parents obviously get along to see them as well. So probably Saturdays is the, is the time slot that you look at, that Saturday evening game. 
MVP Awards tomorrow night, Jeremy. The Andrew Gaze Awards is going to be a fantastic night for you. There has been a, a little bit of criticism about the voting being done before the final round. Is that something that will you change that next year, or are you happy with that? Yeah, it's, it's always a challenge because we've got such a short amount of time between regular season and uh, and the playoffs, and which is traditionally when we hold the MVP awards. Um, because a lot of the, particularly a lot of the American players who uh, don't make the playoffs, they tend to head home fairly quickly after their season's done and we want them to be included in the proceedings as well. So um, it, it is very challenging if we were to keep that voting open any longer uh, just to make it all happen from a practical point of view. But yes, it's something that we will look at because I think you're right. There has been some notable performances in this last round or two that um, that we would have liked people have been able to take into account in their voting. And were you disappointed with how Cairns handled the Pride Round initiative? Uh, I wouldn't say I was disappointed in terms of how Cairns handled it. The organisation were, uh, as a club, incredibly supportive of the round. Um, And at the same time, they were supportive of their players' choice. Now, we we put it out to players as an invitation uh, to wear the Pride Round uniform uh, and a few of those players chose not to, and the other players on that list were concerned about them being singled out. Um, so I understand the rationale. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with it, but that's the wonderful thing, right, is that we were inviting people to have their own opinion, express support if they chose to do so. Um, the Cairns Taipans certainly uh, showed their support for the initiative. They offered the training up to everyone in their organisation, and even those who, who didn't necessarily choose to support the cause attended the training, asked the questions, got engaged in the dialogue with the club, with the Players Association, with ourselves, with each other. And that's a large part of what this initiative was about. We're not going to change everyone's mind immediately. We're not seeking to impose our opinions on others. We are seeking to engage in conversation and, and um, invite people to think about these kinds of, of subjects more often. Uh, and it achieved that objective. I'm just trying to think my way through it. If, if the club and players did get abuse and then decide not to wear the logo, how can that be deemed as support for the LGBTI plus community, given they cop abuse? And, the, um, that, yeah. the, 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 the club didn't make the decision not to wear the uniform. The players individually and, and then as a group decided not to wear that uniform. You'll see that all of the coaching and support staff on, on the night were wearing um, their lapel badges in support of the cause. They put out public statements in support of the cause um, as an organisation. Uh, but they also supported the player's individual choice to choose whether or not to wear the uniform. So let's say it was a, a bit of a split vote there up, at, up in Cairns. Um, but as I said, they in, in, even internally within that organisation... There's an element of success if everyone's sitting down having the conversation. Organisation came out inside of support of the cause and the players came out um, deciding not to wear the uniform on that occasion but are open-minded to what we do in the future, which, again, is part of the journey we're going on. You and Larry have had a very successful competition for quite a while now after taking it when it was on its knees, if not a little lower than that. What's been the main reason, do you think, that you've been so successful? Is it the family experience? Is it the, the fact that it's a really good bang for buck, kind of 10-minute quarter, short experience? Is it the value add that you've got at your game? So it's not just about basketball. What's been the success for you? 
there's no single thing, Dwayne, but you put your finger on a number of them and how I would um, generalise all of that is we identified what we thought our points of competitive difference and competitive advantage were compared to others competing for the, the time and attention of the consumer. And that is we're family friendly. Um, we're relatively short in terms of the commitment that we're asking people to make to tune in and watch a game or attend a game. Um, we were fulfilling a demand that was there because basketball was so popular uh, and and seven years ago there wasn't necessarily a professional sporting league that was giving those fans the opportunity to get behind a local team and, and extend their love for the sport from participating to, to supporting. Um, and, uh, and the entertainment value, I think, is what makes a really significant difference. You spoke earlier about how T20 and BBL has really brought a new... Uh, following to the game of cricket who might not have tuned into test cricket. Well, in many ways, we see T20 as, as sort of the basketball format of cricket. It's short form. There's something happening all the time. Um, and it engages people at uh, all ends of the age spectrum uh, and is, is pretty appealing to anyone of, of any um, uh, ethnic background as well. So that's what we've done is we've straight, stayed true to our guns in terms of maximising what we see as our competitive advantage. And will you get an NBA team here to play for a game at some stage? Will you get the USA team back? What's the, the next on the sort of international side of the growth horizon? Yeah, that's, that's the $64 million question. Probably $64 million and then some, um, if you're comparing to what some of the other countries are willing to pay to get those games here, uh, there. So... Look, we're, we're constantly trying and we're reminding the NBA that we may not be the biggest market in the world, but certainly our fans here have been one of the most loyal fan bases anywhere in the world. And they, we reckon that they deserve the opportunity to get along and see uh, an NBA game here in Australia, whether or not it's a, an NBA team taking on another NBA team in a preseason game or indeed taking on an NBL team or an NBL all-star team, whatever it might be. Um, we're willing to bend over backwards to make it help and certainly we'll keep flying the flag with NBA head office to see if we can make it happen. And would states have to vie for it to buy it? Oh, look, it's certainly not the kind of thing that uh, you could do independent of some uh, assistance from a uh, one or more state governments. The size of the um, check that would need to be written to get, not just, not just from an appearance-free point of view, but just logistically... Uh, having teams come out, their, their requirements in terms of insurance um, uh, would be very, very significant. So, yes, we would need some strong government partnership. Uh, and a venue like Docklands, maybe, like the USA played in, is that the, the prime spot to be able to get 50000 in? Yeah, that's another very, very good question because, of course, that venue had its challenges as well in terms of um, mm. the fans feeling like they got a, a good... Uh, bang for buck experience so you want to you want to make sure that you get the right balance of um, meeting the expectations of the consumer as well as getting as many of those consumers on board and into a venue one to make it uh, economically feasible and two because there's going to be unprecedented demand for those tickets should it happen jeremy great to have you on congratulations to you for another brilliant season as the nbl commissioner you've continued to grow this thing and uh, it's been phenomenal. It's just great to sit back and watch it continually get better and better. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for your support, Dwayne. Jeremy Lowliger joining us. You can watch every NBL game live on ESPN 
Vicao and Foxtel or via 10 Peach and 10 Play every Sunday from 2 to 6 p.m. And the NBL finals, if you like, uh, start this Thursday night. 6.30, John Kane Arena, South East Melbourne Phoenix and the Perth Wildcats. And then 8.30, Cairns and Tasmania. And both should be rippers. We'll take a break. Back to your calls next.